two minutes, we'll be looking at the book of Matthew, chapter 1. Book of Matthew, chapter 1, we are taking a break uh, this morning from our study through the book of 2 Peter, and uh, we'll be looking uh, at Matthew, chapter 1, and we'll be looking at verses 18 through 25 um, this morning of Matthew, chapter 1. Like to go ahead and find your way there. We do have the notes in the Bible app and that sort of thing still. So if you want to want to follow along there or on our website or, or wherever you want to follow along, you can do that as well. The famous song that we sing at Christmas time asks the question, "What child is this?" The song, of course, then goes on to describe just who this child is mentioning that he is Christ the King, the son of Mary, who will be pierced by nails and a spear, who will die on the cross for sinners. He is the King of kings, and salvation he brings. He is the Word made flesh, and he's worthy of our worship. You see, at some point in our life, we all must answer the question, is Christianity really true? Even Christians that were raised in a Christian home who have been Christians most of their lives at some point ask, is this real? Could it be a bunch of, of myths? Sometimes we ask these questions because we're faced with trials and when we pray it seems as if God is on vacation and we can't make any sense of what is happening and doubts start to creep into our mind and Satan slowly undermines um, our trust in God and uh, the promises of God, and we are tempted by the evil one who says, you're just believing some fairy tale. Or maybe you are reading your Bible and you come across uh, some sort of passage of scripture that you struggle with, like, like God ordering the Canaanite slaughter, including women and children, or verses that seem to endorse slavery, or verses that seem to contradict one another. And maybe you come to difficult doctrines like eternal punishment of unbelievers or God's predestining some but not all or eternal life uh, to eternal life. And so these things perhaps cause one to question the truthfulness of the Bible. Is this really true? What should we do in these circumstances? When I find myself staring at doubt, I come back to the most crucial question that every single person must answer correctly. This question is the most important question that we will ever answer. It is more important than our career. It is more important than where we should live. It is more important than who we should marry. It is the same question that Jesus asked his disciples. Jesus began with a safe question by asking them, who do people say the Son of Man is? The disciples answered. Some say that you are John the Baptist, and some say that you are Elijah, and still others say that you are Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus asked the crucial question, but who do you say that I am? Peter gave this profound answer. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus then affirms Peter's answer. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. But then just a short time later, O Peter and his faith is shaken. 
Because Jesus tells the twelve that he will suffer, that he will be killed, and that he will raise up on the third day. And Peter rebukes Jesus for saying such a thing. And then Jesus rebukes Peter, saying, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but on man's interest. And now at that point, Peter was faced with a decision, right? He could either walk away at that point and stop following Jesus, or he could fall back on his earlier confession. You are the Christ. He could fall back on who Jesus really is. Something similar happened on another occasion. Jesus is teaching that to have eternal life, you have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. He also taught that no one could come to him unless it had been granted to him by the Father. And these are hard and difficult teachings. And, and we read there in John chapter 6, after this, many of his disciples turned and no longer walked with him. So Jesus teaching these hard teachings are like, whoa, what do you mean? Eat your flesh, drink your blood, we're done. We're not, I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. And so Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go with him as well? Again, Peter answers. Coming back to that crucial question of the identity of who Jesus is. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. and We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Amen. Peter knew the difficulty of Jesus' teachings. But Peter was sustained by a certainty of who Jesus is. We all have to answer the question, who is Jesus? What child is this? And so with that said, I would ask that if you are willing and able, would you please stand out of respect for God's word this morning as we read Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. We're reading from the English Standard Version this morning. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, he took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Father, thank you for your word. It's faithful, it's true, it speaks to us. I pray that as we look at this passage of scripture, that this morning we will indeed see just what child this is. For those that are here, that we would see it. For those that are listening online, that we would 
understand it and we would see it. For those that may hear this message later, that we would understand what child Jesus Christ is. Speak to us for your saints are here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The four Gospels do not leave us in the dark on the question of who Jesus is. Repeatedly, over and over again, they show us how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies, how Jesus healed the sick, how he opened the eyes of the blind, how he raised the dead, how he calmed the stormy sea with one single word. Matthew begins by tracing the genealogy of Jesus from Abraham through David to, uh, uh, to, to show that Jesus is indeed the promised seed of Abraham who would bless the nations. He is the son of David who would rule on his throne forever. And then Matthew reveals to us even further just who Jesus is. There are three main points I want us to see here this morning. Jesus is truly God and truly man, the savior of sinners, and is God with us. First, Jesus is born of a virgin and is truly God and truly man. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 tells us now the birth of Jesus took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. To understand this passage of scripture you have to understand a little bit about the Jewish customs of the day and how marriages took place and the whole betrothal system. This was more than just uh, uh, what we look at as engagement today. You see parents would usually arrange marriages and secured them with a formal contract and after this the husband would uh, be referred to as as the husband and the wife as the wife although they did not live together or consummate their marriage until after a year-long waiting period during that time the bride's purity was to be demonstrated if the bride was found to be with child during that period it was obvious that she wasn't a pure bride and had been unfaithful, therefore the marriage could be annulled. So right from the start of Matthew, the readers of Matthew's gospel are confronted with a crisis of faith. Do I believe this? Do I believe that Jesus was really miraculously conceived in the Virgin Mary by the Holy Spirit without a human father, or is this just some sort of ancient myth to explain an illegitimate birth? See, liberal scholars are quick to point out, well, there are all kinds of numerous virgin birth legends floating around out there in the ancient world. These legends are not parallel as they are all stories of God having relations with a woman resulting in a half-God, half-man creature, which is obviously not the case here. Regardless, liberals will argue that the story of Jesus' virgin birth fits into the mythical genre. It's just a, it's just a mythical story. They say that the, the people are just scientifically ignorant and superstitious. But the Bible does not just record one account of the virgin birth, but two separate accounts. Luke, who claims to have investigated carefully the events recorded in his gospel and probably learned of the story of Jesus' birth directly from Mary, records how an angel told her that she would conceive a son and name him Jesus. And when Mary asked, 
how this could be since she was a virgin the angel replied the holy spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you and for that reason the holy child shall be called the son of god so you have a choice do you believe the testimony of these two writers matthew and luke both of them who lived at the time and who both got their information from a reliable source or do you doubt the testimony of Matthew and Luke because of a prior bias against the possibility of miracles? Let me also tell you that there are many uh, people in mainline denominations that doubt the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, which is not an option. It's not an option to say, well, I just, I don't think it's true. I don't think the virgin birth of Jesus is true. True. Let me give you two reasons why we cannot say that the virgin birth is not true. Number one, the virgin birth is essential to Jesus' deity. The virgin birth is essential to Jesus' deity. If Jesus is the son of a human father and a human mother through a natural biological process, then he is not truly God in human flesh. He could be a man that's indwelt by God or a man who has God's spirit resting upon him, but he would, he would only have been a man. And his existence would have begun at conception. He could not be the eternal God in human flesh. The scripture repeatedly affirms the deity of Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 1. John chapter 1, verse 14. We read, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, and it dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten from the Father, who was full of grace and truth. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. Jesus told the Jews in John chapter 8, verse 58, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. When Thomas saw the risen Lord Jesus Christ, he cries out, My Lord and my God. Jesus didn't rebuke him for blasphemy. Instead, what did he do? He accepted and commended his worship. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. The Lord God says, I am the Alpha in the Omega. Fast forward to Revelation 22, 13. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And as Matthew adds in verse 23, this child is God with us. No natural union of a human husband and wife could ever bring God into this world. The means in which God used to take on human flesh was a miraculous conception of Jesus in the womb of the Virgin Mary. If we want to affirm the full deity of Jesus Christ, we affirm his supernatural virgin birth. If Jesus is not fully God, he could never be our Savior. A Savior who is not quite God is no Savior at all. Also notice this, that the virgin birth is essential to Jesus' sinless humanity. The virgin birth is essential to Jesus' sinless humanity. Just as the scriptures teach that Jesus is truly God, they also teach that he is truly man. He was not some sort of hybrid God where he's half man, half God. He's, he is undiminished deity. He's perfect humanity, united in one person for all eternity. But if Jesus was born of natural parents, 
then guess what? He was born a sinner just like you and I, like every other human being. And he himself would have needed a savior. If Jesus had sin of his own, he could not have died as a perfect substitute for other people's sin. The scripture clearly teaches us that the entirety uh, of the human race from Adam onward is born under the curse of sin. To redeem the human race from sin, then Christ had to be identified with us in our humanity, but he had to be sinless himself. So Jesus had to have at least one human parent, or he would not have shared our humanity. But through the superintendence of the Holy Spirit in the virgin birth, Jesus was able to be born as fully human, yet as sinless. And as we already saw, the angel told Mary that because the Holy Spirit would come upon her and the power of the Most High would overshadow her, for that reason, this holy offspring should be called the Son of God. Now, I want to be clear because Mary herself was not immaculately conceived. In fact, in Luke chapter 1, verse 47, Mary refers to Jesus God, my Savior. You don't need a Savior unless you're a sinner. Now, uh, the ladies... Um, in the room might get happy here to know that there are some theologians that have speculated that the sin sinful nature of people is communicated through the male. So that might make you happy, like, oh, that's the reason why everybody's sinners, because of all the men. But um, we can't be sure of that. That's, that's speculation. The earliest prediction of a Savior is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And it mentions him as the seed of a woman, not of a man. What we know for certain is what the angel asserted, because Mary would conceive miraculously through the Holy Spirit, her offspring would be the Holy Son of God. The virgin birth is necessary to affirm the sinless humanity of Jesus Christ. This isn't just some interesting and useless theology, because Jesus is the eternal God in human we can come to him with all of our needs, knowing that Jesus can come to our aid. We know that Jesus knows all of our sins. Every sin, he knows. Every inward struggle you have, Jesus knows. All of your deepest, darkest secrets, he knows. Nothing is hidden from Jesus. Oh, but he still loves us with an everlasting love. He wants this personal relationship with us. And because he is truly human, he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. He is merciful and he's compassionate. He's our high priest who invites us to bring to him our every single need. And so in answer to this crucial question, what child is, it, is this? We must first affirm through the virgin birth that he is truly God and truly man. Now notice secondly, Jesus is the savior of his people from their sins. Christmas is not just a story to make us feel warm and fuzzy inside or, or to make us feel cozy about our family and our friends and, and peace on earth and goodwill towards men and, and all the things that we hear about Christmas time. At the very heart of the Christmas story is the truth that, that the uh, human race is alienated from a holy God because of our sin. That's at the heart of the Christmas story. That's why the angel said to Joseph, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus 
For he will save his people from their sins. Jesus means Yahweh saves. Salvation is this radical word because people, people can uh, can help themselves. May, uh, people that can help themselves may need a little help or support now and then in their life, right? So I, I can help myself, but I just need a little help. They don't need saving. People who are basically good, but they, they just need some moral improvement in their life, a few helpful hints, a few tips, they don't need saving either. You know who really needs saving? Sinners who are dead in their trespasses and sins. They need saving. Sinners who are at enmity with the holy God of this universe. They need saving. Sinners who are under the righteous wrath because of their sin, the righteous wrath of God. They need saving. <coughs> the greatest news in the world is that which the angels announced to the shepherds on the night of the birth of Jesus Christ. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born in this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Do you understand why that is such great news? For three words. All the people. It includes the worst sinners. It's an apostle Paul spoke of his own past in persecuting the church and Christians. Saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That Jesus Christ came into the world to save Sinners, of whom I am the foremost. 1 Timothy 1, verse 15. Best of all, all people, includes you and I. He came to save us. The only way that Jesus could save us from our sins was to live a sinless life, which God demands, and then offer himself as the perfect substitute to pay the penalty you and I deserve. If God forgave all sins without penalty, he wouldn't be just. He wouldn't be holy. <coughs> but through the birth and sinless life and substitutionary death of his eternal son, Jesus Christ, God is both just and the justifier of anyone who has faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 3.26 Paul explains in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made him who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Perfect righteousness, full forgiveness, eternal life are offered as a free gift to everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ. As Paul said in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Suppose just for a moment that you get, you get sick and you go to the doctor. And the doctor examines you and he determines that you have a serious, serious illness. He prescribes to you a drug that has been proven to cure your illness. So you go home and you decide that you're going to do some research on this drug. So you do like everyone else that wants to do research on anything. You punch it into Google, right? So you go home, you put it, which by the way, that's bad advice. Don't ever do that because next thing you know, you're dying of whatever it is that you have. But anyway, you punch it into Google. You read all the testimonies of all the people who've taken this drug, who've been cured. 
Now let me ask you, what good is that knowledge to you? It's no good if you don't take the medicine. You just have knowledge. In the same way, it's not good enough to know the correct answer to the crucial question of what child is this. He is the one miraculously born of the Virgin Virgin Mary. He is truly God and he's truly man. He was born to save his people from their sins. But knowing these truths and hearing the testimonies of other people is not enough. You have to respond personally, trusting in Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord. Have you done that? Take the medicine that God prescribes for your sin while you can. Jesus is God in the human flesh who came to save us from our sins. And lastly, Matthew wants us to know this. Jesus is God with us. Matthew 123 cites Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which translates God with us. Jesus is none other than the living God with us. If you've trusted him, Jesus promised that that you dwell in him and that he dwells in you. Just as Matthew being with with, uh, this promise that that Jesus is God with us, as as Matthew uh, begins with that promise, so he ends with the same promise. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, I am with you always, Jesus says, even to the end of the age. After commanding us to be free from the love of money, Hebrews 13, 5 assures us, for he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Jesus, God in the human flesh, is always with us. Always. He's with all those who trusted in him. There's never a time that Jesus is not with you. In his book, The Presence of God, Ryan Lister develops this truth when he writes this, the presence of God is a fundamental objective in our redemption and simultaneously the means by which God completes this objective. He adds that throughout the storyline of the Bible, God is working to establish a people and a place for his presence. God was with Adam and Eve in the garden, but their fellowship with him was broken because of their sin. But through his covenant promises culminating in Jesus Christ, taking on human flesh to dwell with us, And through his death, resurrection, and second coming, at the end of the Bible, we read in Revelation chapter 21, verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. The new heavens and the new earth will be God's dwelling with us, and and we will dwell with him throughout eternity. But the message that God dwells with us in the person of his son who came to offer himself on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins is only good news to those who have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I like what Robert Raymond, how he puts it. In the Evangelical Dictionary of Theology, he says this, Since God is infinitely holy, and we are all sinners deserving of God's wrath, We could hardly blame God that he sent his son as God against us or God opposed to us. When, however, he reveals his son as God with us, the messianic task full of grace and the promise of salvation is suggested. 
If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then God is not <coughs> against you. God is for you. God is with you. Everywhere you go, he's with you. He's with you now. He'll be with you when you leave this church building. He'll be with you everywhere you go if you know Christ as Savior. You do not escape him. He is always, always with you. I close with this. Every year at Christmas time, people wander through stores often. Maybe not as much, but even during a pandemic, there are still people wandering through stores. They're looking for the right gifts to buy. As the sound system in the store plays Christmas music. And one of those songs perhaps will be Charles Wesley's song, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing. With that verse, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man, with men to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. And I wonder how many people hear that song year after year after year during Christmas time. And they miss the profound truth of who Jesus is every single Christmas. To hear the song, to miss the truth. What about you? Have you missed it? <clears throat> Maybe for the first time, who Jesus is makes sense to you. And you want to trust him as your Savior and as your Lord. You can do that today. You can pray something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are God's Son and died to forgive me of my sin. I know I'm a sinner. I ask you for forgiveness. I turn from my sin. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. I want to live for you the rest of my life. Amen. You can pray something simple like that. And if that's you this morning, I just want to encourage you to do so. To see who Jesus is. And if you did that this morning, you can simply, 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 simply text the word faith to 309 328 3488. That number should be up on our screen. And I'd love to follow up with you. But if, if, if you want to do that or you, you don't understand everything, you can still send a text message. That number, I'd love, love to still follow up with you and, and help you any way I can. You can respond at the end of this, this service this morning. I'll be standing right down front. It's not a magic prayer. Christ saves you if you call out to him. Prayer is just our expression of it that we trust in him. So if you said that prayer, would you please respond? Don't miss who Jesus is this Christmas. What child is this? Jesus Christ, who is truly God and truly man, the Savior of sinners, who is God with us. Place your trust in him, and he will be the anchor for your weary soul. No matter the storms, no matter the doubts, no matter the trials that come your way that assault you. And if you already know Christ, maybe this morning it's been revealed to you that you're not fully trusting in him. You're not fully trusting in who he is. Perhaps you need to call out to him this morning and tell him, Jesus, I trust in you for everything.
Forgive me for trusting in myself. Let's close. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for your word this morning. It's faithful, it's true. Thank you that we can read it. And in it, from cover to cover, who Jesus is is revealed to us. Lord, I pray that we don't miss it. It's so easy to be distracted by everything else around us at Christmas time. Be distracted by family, be distracted by gifts, be distracted by other people, sometimes just being distracted by all the food we're going to eat. Whatever it might be, we get so distracted. We miss the point. You sent your Holy Son, sinless, perfect, to be God with us. Truly God, truly man, to live a perfect life. And then, Lord, to die a perfect death. That babe in the manger would one day be beaten, bloodied, crucified for our sin. Lord, help us not to miss the meaning. Help us to proclaim it everywhere we go. The true meaning of Christmas. What child this is. And Lord, if there are those of us that need to trust in Christ this morning, I pray that we do it. And if there are those this morning that have been trusting in themselves, trusting in their own works, trusting in their own money, trusting in their own time, trusting in their own talents, forgive us. Help us to trust in you to surrender everything we need. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing, you be one to come. Thank you.